Thursday Finance. And uh, Brett Hall with us today. I said we'd talk about tourism. Uh, mm. You've got a little bit of an insight, uh, Brett, on, on tourism. The Hunter Valley region yeah, with the vineyards is well known yeah. for its tourist potential. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I mean, in Australia at the moment, we're, we're um, experiencing record tourism numbers. And, um, and yeah, I went to the Hunter Valley Research Foundation um, economic update last week and one of the topics there that was spoken about um, was tourism in our in our region, and um, you know definitely there is opportunity for for our region to um, take advantage of this tourism boom. And um, you know Port Stephens has sort of been focusing, and as, as I learned um, last week, uh, was that you know Port Stephens has been working on uh, attracting the the Asian market and, and trying to uh, capitalise on that, and um, and have have been experiencing some growth and um so in in the Newcastle area we haven't seen so much of that and um you know that part of the reason that uh it was explained was there's a bit of lack of um activity here for them um and uh we're sort of only just getting day trips rather than um you know people coming to to Newcastle to to stay um overnight and, and there is a big difference between what the average spend is uh for a day trip to our to Newcastle or even to Hunter Valley as opposed to a to a night stay and um you know, so there's there's a lot of thinking around or, or, or planning on how we can actually uh, capitalise on that. Any so. good suggestions? I mean, the well, surfers would come and say. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I mean, you know, obviously we have a beautiful coastline. Um, we have, you know, some – it's a great place. And we all uh, – I think we're quite provocal in Newcastle about what a great place it is. But, um, you know, I think there probably definitely needs to be some activities here. You know, it's to compare Newcastle to Salamander Bay, obviously there's, there's things like whale-watching tours and dolphin tours and that kind of thing where we don't have that here. And, you know, maybe that opportunity for those type of things – don't exist out of out of out of our port, but you know, I guess you know maybe there's some some opportunity there for entrepreneurs that can come up with some ideas on activities that um, you know that the tourism market might be able to um, you know look at. Bring the destination right into Newcastle. Yeah, hmm, good. In the meantime, what about uh, commodities? How are they travelling over yeah. the week? So it was a mixed week on commodities, but um, in general, it's been a pretty good week um, across the markets. So, but um, on commodities first. Um, Gold and silver were both down around 2%. Um, gold trading at uh, 1604 silver at $22.25. Then uh, copper at 7562 And uh, tin is actually up 7% this week at 28753 Then currencies for the week were quite flat across the board. Um, when you say flat, you mean about the same. About the same as last right. week. That's right. <laughs> so uh, US dollar um, is trading at $73.86. Um, the pound at 59.42. And the yuan at five. So this is what, uh, what Australian dollar buys you, 5.11. The New Zealand dollar, um, pretty much flat on last week at $1.05. Then the euro at 0.69. Mm. So. And okay. uh, world indices, so we get on to the market, the, yes. the stock market. Um, so quite a good week across the board. All the all the market major markets are up. Um, in Australia, we we've done well over the past past week, um, and it's actually up two point seven percent on last week. So the all ordinaries is trading at uh, at five thousand five hundred forty nine. In the US, uh, the market was up just over one percent at uh, nineteen thousand and eighty three. So we're getting up to some you know, levels we haven't seen for some time, which is good news. Mm, very um, good. The, the NASDAQ, uh, 5,380 um, in the UK. The FTSE is at 6,817. And Japan, um, 18,000. The Nikkei is trading at 18,162. 
and the Hang Seng is 22,676. So moving on to petrol and oil. Oil. Oil's What's it doing? Um, up. Um, up? At, yep, $66.22. And then at the Bowser, um, it's been a great week. Um, everything's down across the board. So unleaded, and this is using RMA fuel prices. Um, so on the central coast, um, unleaded $1.26. In Newcastle, $1.23. And in Sydney, $1.08. So down in Sydney, it's actually uh, 14% down um, on last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then diesel, finally, uh, on the central coast, uh, flat on last week, $1.22. In Newcastle, $1.21. And in Sydney, $1.20. Henry Jennings from the Marcus Today uh, financial newsletter. And Brett Hall. Um, hi, how are you going, Henry? Hi, Brett. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. So I, I guess we can't help but start off today with, um, I, I guess, talking about um, President-elect Donald Trump and and some changes in the week. I guess it seems that he's sort of backing down on some of his um, election um, yeah. policies or promises. Um, well, some of them. Some mm. of them, certainly. Um, I guess it's a little bit early to, to, to really tell, to be mm. honest, because he is somewhat erratic and he does <laughs> tend to... Uh, um, manage the White House or at least the, um, the, the transition by Twitter at the moment. So um, it's a little bit uh, little bit worrying, but certainly some of the signs are there that his rhetoric and now he's been elected is significantly different to his rhetoric when he was uh, running for, um, for president. So yeah. the market has taken that as a very hopeful sign. Yeah. I guess more uh, positively for as far as financial markets go is the, um, the fact that both houses in the U.S. are now controlled by the Republicans, so we won't get this logjam um, of, um, of kind of um, you know, decisions that got held up. So mm. hopefully, as long as Trump can make the right decisions, then they will get through the houses um, and actually get something done, which um, has been sadly lacking under President Obama, yep. unfortunately, and of course is sadly lacking under, uh, under our own leadership as well. Yeah. So in your opinion, with, with the market uh, sort of reacting, I guess, positive, positively over the last week, do you see that short term? Um, any thoughts? Um, I think we're, we're certainly uh, short term. There's been a bit of a relief, yeah. uh, I guess. Uh, a lot of people were positioning themselves for um, a sort of a, a, a negative reaction to Trump. And of yeah. course, uh, that hasn't really happened. So a lot of people have been scrambling to get exposure. There is uh, hopes that infrastructure spending in the U.S. is going to mm-hmm. lift their economy. Mm-hmm. Um, it will lift inflation, uh, lift interest rates, lift the U.S. dollar, all of which has uh, been sadly lacking in the last uh, you know, eight years since yep. the GFC. So there is kind of change in the air, um, and there is a feeling that this president will be a, a doer rather than a, a talker. Yep. Um, and um, something may get done, whether that's the right something, but certainly it's helped commodity prices, um, and it's helped sort of change that psyche that uh, interest rates are going down forever and they're going to be negative. Mm-hmm. To, uh, to an environment where um, you know, we may see some growth, we may see interest rate rises, uh, especially the Fed meets in uh, a couple of weeks' time. So um, we may well see a, a significant change, I guess, in, uh, in the environment. Yeah, yeah. And we've seen, um, I guess, the, the fact that that can benefit in, to, to the Australian economy as well, and hence. Yeah, I mean, we, we, of course, we're very resource-based and times. Mm. Uh, we have been transitioning away from that, but we're still beholden to uh, resource uh, and commodity markets. And we've seen uh, some massive speculative interest in iron ore, coking coal, even copper, mm. 
Um, you know, iron ore has been pushing up towards the $80, and uh, copper has been going very well. So um, all up, our resource stocks have been pretty pretty impressive, to be honest. Yeah, that's um, right. We, you know, we've had BHP uh, hit 26 bucks yep. this morning. Mm. Uh, Fortescue has been an incredible story. They're uh, $6.20. Um, if you if you can believe that, and it wasn't that long ago they were a dollar fifty. Um And uh, you know it's been a, it's been a fantastic wild ride for uh, for resource um, investors certainly mm-hmm. so far. Yeah, that's right. And we've seen interest rates uh, starting to trickle up over the past couple of weeks. We have. I, mean, I think that's a, that's a sort of a worldwide phenomenon at the moment. And mm-hmm. uh, you know we've we've lived through a period where central banks have been pushing down interest rates and trying to stimulate the economy through. Uh, what they call monetary policy, but uh, the alternative to monetary policy is fiscal stimulus, which is building stuff and infrastructure and that sort of stuff and putting money directly into the economy from a government. Um, we are starting to see maybe the, the, the start of that, and we are seeing mm-hmm. interest rates rise, and certainly in Australia, mortgage rates have been uh, squeezed up, not by a lot, but uh, one or two of the, the smaller providers have been uh, just squeezing rates up a little bit, I think, ME, Bank, the me, the Bank of Me, mm-hmm. um, has, uh, has has raised their rates by uh, up to uh, 45 basis points in some of their loans. So, yep. um, it is happening. Uh, whether that's enough to prick the property bubble remains mm-hmm. to be seen. But certainly, yeah. I think the story of 2017 will be rising rates and rising inflation, albeit um, probably slower than we're used to. Yep. But uh, certainly, the the mood has changed. Henry, uh, there's been some talk this week about a sugar tax. Um, the, the treasurer um, hasn't uh, ruled it out, and um, I was thinking this morning. I mean, that would be disastrous for Coca-Cola Amazon, would it? Um, I, yeah, I mean, it, it wouldn't be a, a particularly good for Coca-Cola Amazon. It would add mm. another cost for them. But mm. bear in mind that a lot of these, um, a lot of these companies have been moving away yeah. um, from this, and it would probably, you know. They have got sugar taxes in other countries around the world. Yep. I think it's pretty early days, to be quite honest. And, yeah, uh, yeah. This was floated by the Grattan Institute, which seemed to have a couple of days where they wanted to get their names in the paper. <laughs> um, they floated some uh, some changes to uh, over 65s and, yep. and tax concessions for them, and then they uh, they got stuck into uh, to kids with um, with sugar problems and uh, and obesity. So yep. um, yeah, I think they just needed to get some uh, some funding from somewhere and yep. get the PR out there, perhaps. Um, <laughs> But, um, yeah, I think it's a long way from happening, and um, Scott Morrison, uh, let's face it, doesn't do much at the best of times, so yeah. probably like to bring in something as courageous as this. Yeah, that's right. I, th- I think it's probably a while off. But, um, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Very much so. And uh, one of my favourite stocks always to talk about is Woolworths. Um, so it seems <laughs> like this. I mean, I, I guess it's a stock that uh, traditionally everyone, it was in everyone's portfolio almost, and, um, you know, it was it's a well-known brand, and... Um, so now this week, look like they're having maybe some troubles with the um, the sale of masters with some of the uh, landlords. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess um, you know the, um, when they closed masters, a lot of the, the properties were bought, um, or a lot of the the, the, uh, the leases were taken over by a group of Melbourne uh, rich guys, mm-hmm. uh, rich families, um, and uh, now you know the um, the ultimate landlords are not quite as um, as happy with the, the new clients they're putting in because the rents are lower, yep. um, they're, less, um, they're less secure names. Having said that, they were, you know, they're talking about how the, the new names aren't as, um, as bona fide as, the, as Woolworths was. Well, look mm. what happened to Masters. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, it's, um, it's, it's no guarantee, I guess, in this, in this new age that, um, you know, someone as big as 
bullies isn't going to pull the pin on those sorts of uh, lease deals as well. So, um, yep. so yeah, it's um, interesting to see. I, I don't know what the numbers are that are involved, but um, certainly there's a probably, um, at the end of the day, someone will, will do some negotiating and uh, they'll come to some sort of settlement. Yeah, yeah. And I think you mentioned um, Amazon uh, last week on the program and talking about that it's uh, coming to Australia and it's now it's actually was in the financial review today uh talking yeah. about um you know that it's not just going to affect Woolworths but you know the other retailers as well and um you know it's it's probably not far away that they will be in Australia and targeting the consumer spend yeah well certainly the um the the the, the targets that the fin review mentioned was more to do with uh, high margin kind of businesses and already mm. established online businesses yep. the ones that they were looking at were Maya uh, David Jones and, and companies like Baby Bunting, which have you know, high-margin retail kind of products, yep. um, it may be that Amazon don't look kind of so um, so closely at Woolies and Coles. Their business, I mean, grocery margins are quite skimpy, um, and um, you know it may be yep. that um, you know we're really not got used to yet um, buying our groceries online, and yep. that uh, you know we're quite happy to buy clothes. Uh, and those sorts of things online, and if you've got a new baby, maybe um, buying stuff online is a really good way of doing things because uh, you know, it's pretty hard to get out to the shops and, uh, yep. and buy stuff. Having it delivered is a godsend, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, those, those kind of businesses may well be disrupted going forward. Yep, yep. Um, and uh, just some company specifics. So uh, McGrath uh, Real Estate had their AGM, <laughs> and... Uh, you know, Gave some reassurance to investors, and the share price has risen. But what yeah. do you see for Headfield? I think it's going to be difficult um, for the market for them going forward, especially if the property bubble does pop. Yeah. In. I mean, I, I, I find it quite um, quite strange that real estate agents are complaining about anything. We've just gone through the biggest <laughs> property boom in the world. It's the least disruptive technology uh, business in the world. You know, they charge an absolute fortune in commission rates. Yep. Um, doing very little basically you know they rock up on a you know, most of them try and get people to do auctions you pay your own um advertising costs so that's not included in the commission rate yeah. um you know the guy supplies an auctioneer and on auction day the thing walks out the door and the agent pockets fifty sixty thousand dollars yeah. so i find it very hard to listen to, to john mcgrath bleating about the property market to be quite honest and yeah. uh, if, if the number of listings is down well Sorry, guys, that's the way the, the world works. But, yeah. uh, you know, I think they've been very lucky in an industry that has not had significant disruption. Um, but I think disruption, disruption is, is here for them. I mean, I think there's this quite a few providers out there now which enables you to list your own property online yeah. through. And, um, you know, I, I bought a property recently and the vendors sold it themselves. And, you know, it was quite a pleasurable experience to us. We, it, it worked quite well. Um, um, I guess, yes, I mean, disruption is here. I mean, the, the, the real estate agents will argue and do so vehemently, but, you know, um, you, you're not going to get the best price if you do it yourself, and, and yeah. they are experts. But to be honest, um, their level of expertise is um, is somewhat questionable sometimes. <laughs> they, they they open the doors on a Saturday. Usually it's a junior that does so. Um, they look posh in their black suits and their, and their ties and their white shirts. They take a few names. In my experience, they never phone anybody back or chase anybody up. Um, they just set an auction date, sell it, and take your sixty grand. Yeah. So I think uh, you know, good luck to uh, to people who do it privately. I think it's a business that's desperate for um, disruption. Yeah. And uh, I think you know, people 
um, generally don't really trust real estate agents. <laughs> so, so um, but you know, bleating about lack of listings and tax changes, I think, come on, guys, you've had it too good for too long. You got very rich out of uh, out of doing not huge amounts. Yeah, um, riding the wave. Yes, and and our bank stocks, um, um, been quite volatile, I guess, over the past twelve months. We're seeing the, the prices up, down, and, and you know, they have recovered. So yeah. which is good to see. And do you, do you expect this volatility to continue? Is that is uh, well, I think, rates? you know, well, the, the banks are actually sort of grinding higher and have been for a little while. And the, and the reason for this change, one, they've got themselves off the front page of the newspapers, which is kind of good. Um, that whole call for the Royal Commission has gone away, which is kind of good. But more importantly, the environment for banks generally around the world improves when interest rates go up. Yeah. They can sort of increase their margins. And also importantly, the Basel IV capital requirements that uh, the banks and, and APRA here were thinking would be quite harsh mm-hmm. and re- would require them to raise more capital. Yeah. Um, it does feel as if they're not going to be as harsh as people thought, mainly because if they were that harsh, most of the European banks would be bankrupt. Yeah. Um, and um, so as a result, I think the banks need to raise capital has been pushed further and further down the track. Um, APRA, of course, may may decide that they still want uh, capital requirements in, adjust, in addition to uh, to what happens from Basel IV. But mm. you know, I think we've got a period where the banks can quite happily keep going about making the thirty billion dollars in profits yep. that the big four make um, and paying good dividends. And I think you know, yeah. if the economy improves, and as we see mining towns kind of improve a little bit on the back of high commodity prices, yep. we should see those bad debt charges come down. Yep. And, um, you know, we, we might well see um, the banks continue to uh, just grind higher. Yeah, that's right. Well, thank you very much, Henry. It's always great to uh, to talk to you. Always and a pleasure, Brett. We'll talk, talk soon. We are going to take a look at your super. Well, that is, you are going to take a look at your superannuation. Brett Hall, why is it important to take a look at your superannuation regularly? Yeah, well, Jane, I, I, I hear often um, people say, oh, I don't have much super, so... You know, I, I don't look at it, or I, it's not important. But I think um, it, it's it's probably no further from the truth, really. I mean, I think it's so important to to look at super right from from the beginning. You know, even at your, your the first time you make your first contribution, it's important to, to start off then and review it on a regular basis. And um, you know, I think uh, I, I did some quick numbers this morning on on the difference um, between uh, returns. So so just quickly, um, you've had fifty thousand dollars. And over a 30-year period, um, a compounded return of 4% would, and you made no other contributions to this, so you just had 50,000. Um, that amount at the end of 30 years would be 162,000 in round numbers. But if you've got a, a 6% return, um, it would be 287,000. So a small, so a 2% difference makes a very big difference compounded over over say 30 years. And um, you know, and you can make that you know by having your influence um it's not unrealistic to to possibly make that to 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 have um an influence in that in that in that difference um so you know it's important to regularly review your superannuation um you know a lot of that can be done yourself just by you know looking at your statement etc and and getting advice if if um if needed so um so it's important to look at your statements. Um, I mean, yep. my superannuation, I don't really know where it's invested. Yeah, that, that's right. Will so, it tell me my statement? Yeah, your, your statement will. Um, so your, your super fund will send, um, out, obviously, generally speaking, depending on what fund you're with, some people have a self-managed superannuation fund, but 
But, um, you know, your fund, if you're an industry fund or a retail fund, as an example, they'll send you out a regular statement. So it's important to get that statement and um, and look at it because, you know, you need to make yourself informed. And, and I guess it's important to make sure, um, we touched on this last week, if, if you've got multiple funds, you know, making sure you don't lose lose track of your superannuation. And so that, you know, that's one example of why it's important to, to look at it regularly and, and make sure you notify, if you do move address, that you notify that um, those funds that you've changed. So... Um, so to answer your question, yeah, your statement will will give you information about um, where where um, it's invested, and you know most funds have an online portal, so you could you could log on, um, get yourself set up, and log on and look at um, you know look at look at your account online as well is another option. So my statements come, and I'm looking at it. What am I looking for? Yeah, for sure. So obviously, where it's invested is one thing. So how how superation is invested? Looking at also, um, you know a summary of the of the year so looking at um things like your contributions so looking so if you're if you are making contributions either personally or your employer so making sure that those contributions are have been going in um so looking also at the fees um that are on there and looking at you know why those fees are being charged you know are you being charged um an advisor fee um and if you are then you're making making the most of that um by you know getting in contact with the advisor as an example um so looking at obviously also um, insurance premiums that, that would be coming out or possibly coming out and having a look and see what you're insured for and, and reviewing that as well. So those things are all, you know, on that statement. That's the obviously the, the first place to look and the, to, to, to look at your superannuation. And, and um, you know, you, you've got multiple funds, you'll have multiple of those. So, um, you know, potentially it's making a decision also potentially consolidating your superannuation. So there are employer contributions. Do yep. do I always get an employer a contribution from my employer? Um, no, not not necessarily always. Um, so it obviously depends on your level of income whether your employer is required to make compulsory superannuation contributions. Um, and you know, there's a lot of people that have um, superannuation where they're retired and they're actually accessing the super. So. Um, so yeah, I mean, your um, your employer is required by law to supply information on your payslip about superannuation contributions. So you know, if you check your payslip, you'll be able to see whether you should be having contributions. And casual workers. Yep. They so get casual still. Yep. Superannuation as well. Yep, that's right. Okay. So, yes. Well, yep. we're looking at um, superannuation. <laughs> what benefits you can get from checking it regularly, taking a look at your superannuation and why you should check it on a regular basis. Now. Brett Hall, uh, earlier in the program, you talked about um, different returns you can get from the same superannuation um, contributions. So how can you actually help make a difference and get the higher amount rather than the lower amount? Yeah, so obviously one of the the biggest um, influences of of that return is where the money within your superannuation fund is invested. So depending on the fund that you're in, will determine the amount of um, choice that you have in terms of where it's invested. Um, but generally, you know, most people are in an industry fund or a retail fund and um, some of them, well, they will, they'll all provide a, an option um, or investment broad asset allocation options um, that you can just select um, to save you having to go and um, make specific investment choices. So to give you a quick example, um, I, um, I looked online this morning at um, one of our local industry funds, which is Mind Wealth and uh, Wellbeing, and they have um, four, um, as an example, four broad um, options, and that's aggressive, growth, balanced, and stable. So you know you can go on um, if you're a member of that fund, you can go on and make a choice um, out of those um, asset allocations and um, 
and from that, you know, that would that would be how your funds are are invested. And so, depending with them as an example, depending on which of those options you chose, um, is determines underlying that how it's invested, and um, each of those options gives a different return. So, to give you a, a very quick um, comparison, so their aggressive um, investment option returns nine point five percent for the last five years, and um, for the past year it was three point four. Compare that to their stable option, investment option, it was a five-year return of 6.1 and for the last year, 3.5. So going back to the original um, you know, comparison, um, if you had had your superannuation invested in the stable option for a period of, um, for the for a five-year period or, you know, talking as we talked about before, for a 30-year um, time frame, uh, it makes a very big difference if, if you had it uh, invested in stable as opposed to the aggressive option. So it does, you know, there's an example of, depending on how you have your funds invested, what your ultimate um, ending balance will be at, at retirement. And this is obviously talking for, you know, I guess I'm talking a 30-year time frame, so that's not people approaching retirement by any means. But, you know, for, for younger people, it, it shows the importance of um, looking at where, you, where your funds are invested. So if you get a higher return from an aggressive in, or yep. aggressive um, aspect Invest- approach, yep. Yep. Um, why don't we all do that? Yeah, well, that's right. So, um, so the, um, the aggressive approach um, will have high volatility. Um, so the asset allocation within that um, is different to the stable. So to give you a very quick um, comparison um, between uh, the stable option for them um, – for the mind, wealth, and well-being option, and um, their stable option as opposed to the aggressive. So when you look at there's, I mean the stable option there's almost sixty percent, um, or there's about sixty percent in cash and bonds, um, with the balance being split between the remaining forty percent being split between Australian shares, um, international shares, and property. So um, so as you can see, that's quite a quite stable because a lot of it's in cash, which gives you a lower return, but not much as great volatility. Okay, yep. and uh, well. That's Thursday Finance for today. Many thanks, Brett Hall, and uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.